Praise the Lord and welcome to our weekly 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. Today's podcast was produced by Associate Pastor Corey Lyndon Bellamy Sr. Our editors are Lady Satoya Clanton and Sister Tynika Harris Coronado. I'll be back with today's episode. In today's episode, we will talk about singles and sexual health. My guest is Pastor Angela Jed. Pastor Angela Jed is the wife of Elder David Jed. They will be married 38 years on July 18th and have two daughters and three amazing grandchildren. She is the founding pastor of Ambassadors for Christ Ministries in Frankfurt and an administrative research assistant director. Pastor Jet was ordained as pastor on August the 2nd, 2017 by Bishop Lambert Gates of the Pentecostal Churches of the Apostolic Faith International. She earned a certificate of pastoral care and Christian counseling at Anon Bible College on February 23rd, 2022. Pastor Jet has a special love for people. She is an intercessor altar work trainer, mentor, spiritual birthing coach, life changer, and serves in other areas within her gifts and callings in the church, as well as the community. Pastor Jet has been anointed by God to preach the gospel, causing souls to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. Her heart desire is to see souls saved, delivered, set free from bondage, and reconciled to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Pastor Jed, welcome to The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Thank you, Bishop Bellamy. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, you and I are going to be talking about a topic that is uh, very controversial, and it is much needed. You and I have seen this elephant in the room and know that it is a topic that must be addressed consistently. And it needs a lot of clarity. And I do want to emphasize that word clarity, especially in today's sexual culture. It needs a lot of clarity, especially for the single believers. What does it mean for a single saint to be sexually healthy? And how do you define sexual health? So in reference to the definition or how we define sexual health, I pretty much stay with the World Health Organization and uh, just because they do such a great job at that. And I just kind of pull from there along with other things that I've learned myself. So basically, it's just, you know, that state of that state of physical place and the mental state of even the social well-being related to sexuality, not merely just being absent for like diseases, but we're talking about the overall sexual health of that person a person knowing themselves. Now, you've been in the field for, for quite some time. You've interacted with many um, 
young people and singles professionally and in the church, in your estimation, are our singles sexually healthy today? I think that some are healthy because they have sought out, you know, that help. They have sought out uh, having these discussions. On the other hand, a lot of people do not have sexual health uh, simply because they are afraid to talk. They're afraid to have a conversation. They are afraid to say, oh, my God, I'm single and I'm struggling. So these people are not typically sexually healthy now. Well, a part of being sexually healthy, as I understand it, is abstinence. That is a word that we don't hear a lot of today. At least I don't hear a lot of it because Mm -hmm. from what I am hearing and seeing, there are a lot of singles who are sexually active in one way or another. What is sexual abstinence? And is it even practical to ask our singles to be abstinent? Mm -hmm. So, I believe that it is definitely practical, but let's say this first. So abstinence simply refers to that particular decision to not to have sex, any kind of sex. That is what the abstinence is. And you're right. A lot of people don't talk about abstinence anymore. So quite naturally, if we go to the scriptures, we know it's there, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so it's there. But when I, when I speak to people, I come from a biblical perspective, but I also come from just a perspective of my what I've done professionally, what I've done all these years, right? So, um, so yes, so to be able to stay absent, people definitely can. I believe that it is practical, and especially for the single who is a believer. We um, talked about this in a class that I taught a couple weeks ago in Jefferson City, Missouri, about sexual behavior, and singles who are dating who fondle, who kiss, and who want to do other things, just avoiding actual sexual intercourse. Is fondling, kissing, touching, caressing considered abstinence? A lot of people want to say abstinence is just sex, period. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to have sex, no kind of sex. But as you said, especially when they get down to fondle and things like that. At this particular case, I, I would say you, you're really not being abstinent at that point mm-hmm. because you are bringing forth pleasure in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So so you're really not being abstinent. At, I'd have to say no. And we know that when we touch, touch brings about a feeling. Okay. So therefore, it is really not very, very wise to do any of that simply because it can lead to the next thing and then one would get to that particular point and then they cannot stop. So then they find themselves in a sexual situation anyway. I don't want to catch you off guard. We had the discussion be- prior to uh, of this recording, but there's a question that I, w- I would like to present. We can, we can address it or we can table it and come back to it later. Do you think it's important for singles who are dating to have a chaperone in order to minimize the risk or the opportunity to go into fondling or kissing or anything that may lead to touching and exploring, even though there isn't sexual intercourse involved. What are, what are your thoughts on having chaperones? 
years ago, I, I look at things different today, okay, from what I did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, uh, I would have said, get him a chaperone. <laughs> but today, today I'm a, I took a different stance on that. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that the Holy Ghost that is inside of the believer, those who are Holy Ghost filled, okay, that they would have enough Holy Ghost in them. And number one, that they just will not go that far, especially for those who have been taught. And then, for the, you know, and if they have not, but if they have been taught, they would certainly know we just don't do certain things. I do not believe that a, a chaperone is going to help. And the reason why is because if a chaperone is there today, they're not going to be there tomorrow. Okay. So people have to get to a place to where they do not allow that flesh, man, you know, to take over because a chaperone is not going to always be there. At the end, we're talking grown single adults. They're going to do what they want to do if they decide to do it. Mm -hmm. So a chaperone will not help. Okay. Now, let's get back to, to abstinence. With all of the sexually crazed culture that we are dealing with, and our singles are out there every day in it, they see it on television, in movies, they see it on the internet, it's, they're exposed to it in the school system. Mm-hmm. What are some practical steps that a single saint can do in order to manage that urge to be sexually active, especially for those who were sexually active before they got saved? It's kind Absolutely. of challenging, Pastor, to tell a person who has been sexually active for five or ten years, maybe less, and once they get saved, that it's important for them to remain abstinent. What what are they supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So this is a few tips that I would give, and that would be number one to avoid certain things. Mm -hmm. Okay, we understand and know that. So if we're going to stay abstinent, so now we're we're saved, we're in the church, we're really trying to stay abstinent, and say we have, like you said, that boyfriend. You know, that person, and, and I use the word courtship, if it's somebody that you're looking to be married to one day, as we just got to saying, being very careful around that person, knowing yourself and that if you cannot handle it, don't be with them by yourselves. Everybody can't handle that. I would also say that being very mindful of what you watch. We understand that we're grown adults, but there is a time when certain scenes come on in that movie. Mm -hmm. And if you know that you're struggling already, mm -hmm. don't watch it. Mm -hmm. You know, what goes into our eyes, the things we listen to, what goes into the ear gates, all of that matters. If you happen to be somewhere and there's certain music playing, you know, just try to get away if you can't, you just can't handle that kind of situation. Certainly having a support system. So if there's a single sister and she's got, a, a you know, her single sister friend, they can definitely talk together and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area and be very honest about it. They, you know, I'm struggling. Uh, I want you to hold me accountable, sister. And the man, the same thing. That brother, brother, you know, I want you to hold me accountable. I want to wait until I'm married before I have sex. And then and then having that person right there, you know, as, as an accountability. Also, keeping in mind, number one, accountable to God first. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, certainly uh, making sure that we that these people, especially as you said, somebody's coming in they're They're fresh. They're new. They've never been taught you know, abstinence, mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or, or they never been taught the word fornication, mm -hmm. the word that we're so afraid to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing and making sure that these people know the word of God according to uh, fornication, and them also understanding who they are, 
you know, as one of God's precious, precious children, that they don't want to go into a sexual relationship knowing that they are, you know, because they do belong to God because they are saved. So the word of God, really, really knowing that for themselves, so that even if they get tempted, and then the other thing I think about, because people are tempted, right? You yes, know, ma'am. People, people mm -hmm. are human. So then, and, and having those scriptures at hand, one of the scriptures that popped into my mind as I was looking at this was 1 Corinthians. The Bible says that there is a way of escape. It's yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. But every temptation, there's a way of escape. So with that being said, thinking about that, you know, there is a way of escape. No matter what it is that comes up before us, there is a way of escape. Got to do like and, you sort of got to do like Joseph. You got to look for the exit sign. Huh? <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Look and, for the and, exits. And and, and, it, and it is very very important. And let me go back to that scripture if you don't mind, because I had this for a reason, and I think this is a good place to plug it in. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's uh, First Corinthians seven and eighty nine, and I did as the amplifier because the amplifier really, really expounds. So if we really think what that scripture says, it says, but I say unto the Mary and to the widows, that that is as practical matter. Because these are practical matters mm -hmm. that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. It is not good if they remain single and entirely devoted to the Lord as I am. But if uh, it is, he said, but if they do not have sufficient self-control, they should marry. And a lot of times we don't like to deal with that scripture because <laughs> the scripture said it's better to marry that, than to burn mm -hmm. with passion. You see, mm -hmm. so if they know that they're going to get married and if they're really at that place of where, oh, my God, I really feel like I'm going to fall. If you're going to get married, get married. Don't shack up. Don't do none of that. Get married. Is it is 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 it a good idea for a person just to marry just because they they have this urge for for sexual sexual fulfillment? Is is that enough or it is definitely not enough. Mm -hmm. We're talking about people that are already in love. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're already going to get married, okay. right? Yes, ma'am. I am very big on just because you feel like, oh, my God, you know, don't go just marry, you know, somebody <laughs> because, because you're afraid of, oh, my God, I'm afraid I'm going to fall. So I'm just going to marry this guy that I've been seeing that I'm really not in love with. Right. You know, make, make sure that you genuinely, you know, this is a, a person that's already engaged. They're going to get married anyway. <clears throat> but definitely don't just get married. And then if you're not in love and really have that genuine love one for another, because Chances are you'll be in trouble anyway. Yeah. With the um, with the singles that you've counseled and talked to, are they comfortable talking about their sexuality? A lot of them are. Uh, especially, I think, it you know, it depends on that person, who they're speaking with, mm -hmm. the people that I specifically talk to and counsel. I have a bit of rapport with these people. And, and this is in my professional and church, okay? Okay. Uh, and, and so people, they are comfortable in talking to me because of the questions that I ask. How did you, how did you, how did you build that? How did you build that rapport? Because I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. It wouldn't be anything but honest. There is no a way in the world. 45 years ago, I would have sat down with my dad, who was my pastor, and told him about my sexual issues. <laughs> Right. I, I understand. Understand. I get it. <laughs> and I, I, feel like this. I never thought that I would be in this place. Uh, my profession as administrative research assistant, and I work in particular with HIV on the social part. Okay. 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 So I'm talking to a lot of people and a lot HIV, a lot of things. Right. Uh, definitely, you know, sex protection and so forth. So therefore, this is where it really happened for me. 
And because I had a friend that died of HIV, one of my dearest and best friends, mm. I'm very passionate about what I do. Mm -hmm. So when the job opened up for me, okay, as I graduated college, this door opened up and I was hired for that job. And I thought, what in the world have I got myself into? Yeah. <laughs> As a believer, mm -hmm. how in the world am I going to tell somebody you need to be using condoms, for example? Yeah. And here I'm a Christian, right? Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I became comfortable through my professional field, through mm -hmm. my job. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had a, such a rapport with people who nobody talked to them about these things. To then I was, it spilled over into the church to where people found out, even those who found out what I do, that they were like, oh my God, I can talk to her. Okay. You know, so. So mm -hmm. now as a pastor, not everybody, okay, but there are several people who have actually had very serious questions and said, this is how I feel about my sexuality right now. Mm -hmm. And and because I've made them feel welcome, I did not shun them. I think that the very minute somebody comes in and we shun them or we get that face, you know, like, oh, my God, <laughs> we can't do, you can't do that. Like We you, start rebuking you, the devil. Exactly. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, rebuking the devil. And, and well, if you got that on your mind, you're not a Christian. But see, I, I come with a different approach. So my approach is more laid back. I look at them the same way I always look at them, and I let them come and know that I'm not going to judge them for feeling how they feel. Hmm. And I'm still going to tell them the truth, mm -hmm. the biblical, in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Would you tell a advise a single saint that is sexually active, even though they know it's fornication, would you advise them if they can't control themselves to use protection? I would. I would. At first and foremost, because I am such a word person, I'm going to hewn on and I mean I'm gonna stand on the word of God mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. If they're going to do it anyway. I'm going to treat them the same way that I would treat that sinner person who's going to do it anyway. Okay. And that is because I don't want to see them get an STD either. I don't want to see them, you know, do any of that uh, to have any of these experiences that I deal with other people about. So how I think me as, uh, as a pastor and if somebody just said, I'm going to do it anyway, mm -hmm. I have no control over their lives. Right, right. So, so, so the reality is that if they do, if they come like that, and then we've literally sat down and talked, and then I'm going to have to say to them, then you need to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Most people, especially in the church, do not want to have children out of wedlock. Well, we know what's going to happen if they do not use protection, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. They're going to get, they're going to, that woman is going to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So then we're going to have these mother and this father who are unmarried, who's going to have a baby which we don't want, we also could end up with somebody having an STD, you know, spreading those STDs and things like that because nobody has educated them. And that's hard for me. Bishop Bellamy, that's hard, okay? I'm, I'm, hard. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm feeling your pain and I, I'm feeling my pain. <laughs> I'm feeling my... <laughs> I'm feeling my pain too because I don't I don't know I don't know if I could do that. I would probably recommend them to some professional um counselor or therapist Absolutely. or something, but I could just hear my dad disfellowshipping me. <laughs> <laughs> because because the thing of it is is that it's kind of like um if if that person says they're a believer mm -hmm. and, and number one, we're gonna pray with them, we're gonna fast. You said it at the beginning. I can fast with them mm -hmm. 
I can pray with them. We can speak in tongues all day long. True. Okay. But that is not, it's not going to always help. No, it's not. not. No, it's not. It helps with with some bishops, Mm -hmm. but not with all. So the reality is for me as a pastor today, dealing with today's issue, keep in mind what I do for a living. (laughs) So for today, my whole thing would be, no, but am I going to kick him out of church? I'm going to say no, but you keep coming. And I'm telling you, God can deliver you from that whole flesh issue that you're having. Well, that was my next question. In the meantime, I've got to educate him. That was my next question for you, Pastor. You know, you know, the single believer is sexually active. Um, they are using protection. They are involved in ministry in what, what, whatever way. Do you allow them to continue to function in ministry as a fornicator? Absolutely not. Okay. And they will be told if you choose to do this Mm -hmm. because you're an adult and I don't want you to not come to church. Mm -hmm. So keep coming to church. Do not stop because I believe that the God that we serve can get a hold of anybody at any time and cause them to be turned around Mm -hmm. from whatever sin. I think we look at sexual sin, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we look at sexual sin and we put it like at 100, but then we do, but then we take the cusser and the liar and the cheater and we make it like at 20. Right. Then it's, sin. it's not so balanced, right. Sinning, mm-hmm. right. So if I know you're sinning as a pastor, whatever the sin is, I'm setting you down. So, you know, and, and so most definitely if someone is a fornicator and I know it, if I'm aware, because we don't always know these things, right? Yes, ma'am. If I know these, if I know it for a fact, and if they're doing, I don't care if they're ushering, you're sitting down. And we were conversation. And I would say, you know, this is it. You, you cannot usher until you stop fornicating. Okay. But in the meantime, protect yourself. But please don't, don't sit there and get an STD. Yeah. I totally understand what angle you, you're coming from, especially professionally or working with those who have STDs, um, HIV and et cetera. And I feel, I feel the pulse of your heart in that, in that respect. And it sounds like you just have a lot of love for people and you want the best for them, uh, first spiritually, uh, emotionally, psychologically, and of course that they are sexually well in your profession and in ministry. How big of a role have you noticed pornography being in the the uptick, I would say, of sexual involvement among young people. I have not had a lot of experience in reference to as a pastor mm-hmm. where someone has actually, to my knowledge, come and said anything about pornography or struggling with. Mm-hmm. However, we know that it does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have certainly heard of stories, but not, you know, people coming directly to me saying, you know, Pastor Jed, I'm struggling with pornography. Okay. Um, but certainly have, have had other people to come to me, have had parents to come to me and I've only had a parent and, and I simply gave them, you know, advice about number one, especially if you're dealing, dealing with adolescent, you know, certainly we know how to cut things off. And yes, shut ma'am. Things right, off. right, right. Um, and as far as an adult, because there are some struggling adults, I mean, we cannot bury our head in the sand and think that they're not because there are. And, and in reference to an adult, I, again, I have not had the personal you know, someone coming to me saying that in the event, if someone did, I still would keep that open mind so that they can come and talk to me and so that I can build up rapport so that they can feel comfortable enough to say, this is where I am at. 
I'm battling pornography. How can you help me? Okay. What do I need to do? We talked about the first that. thing we want to tell, and this is the first thing we want to say is fast and pray. We're mm-hmm. going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to always do that. Yeah. Because our God is just an awesome God, and He can do. He can deliver some anything, even pornography. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Pastor: Is fasting and prayer alone enough? You said, "Is it enough?" Yes, is fasting and prayer alone enough mm-hmm. to correct no. those sexual urges? To correct um, the the behavior that uh, of a fornicator? Fasting and prayer is wonderful, and I'm telling you, people can get deliverance and victory through it. It is not alone enough for everybody. Okay. For some, it is. For the other person, they need to come and talk to somebody like myself. Mm-hmm. They need to come and hear some of the stories that I have experienced. And I will share a story sometimes. I will share the story of my best friend who died of HIV. And and then that sometimes it takes that and something to click on at that moment. It's like, oh, my God, this is real. Almost scared straight. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I'm saying, you know, we think about the word, we talked about abstinence. How do I stay? You know, those kind of things. And then, and then some people, you know, when you think about, I also thought about um, those who just say, you know, I'm chased, you know, those folks, you know, these people that are chased, some of these people ended up as abstinence at the beginning, but then they really become more chased. Because one thing that I was, I was, when I went back to just to look at some things in reference to that word chastity, okay. And, 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 you know, that word meaning purity mm-hmm. embraces abstinence as a praiseworthy virtue, virtue, according to the prevailing social standards on morality. I love it. <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, they're, they're, they're looking at it as not just being abstinent, but this is praiseworthy. And, and these, a lot of these people who choose this, a lot of these people are not Christians. It's for other reasons. But it is a voluntary lifestyle that they choose to stay away from sexual activity. What is the difference between abstinence and celibacy? So celibacy is more of that vow. The vow to remain abstinent from any sexual activity. A lot of people do this. A lot of spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the priests, you know, and different ones, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and even even in our Christian world, uh, as we know it, uh, I have many people that they would tell me that they're celibate. I have divorced people, uh, men and, and women in particular that I've spoke with, and they'll say, I'm celibate. I've been celibate since divorce, and I will not have sex again until I'm married. Okay. And so that, so that is that person who is, it is that for a period of time, uh, I'm going to be abstinent. It is that vow that they've made. A lot of them, did, people, they make that vow to God. Lord, I'm going to be abstinent. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not abstinent. I'm going to vow this to you. I'm going to uh, practice celibacy until I'm married. Okay. Friends, we'll pause here for today. However, there is much more to this topic. We will conclude our conversation with Pastor Angela Jed doing next week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly 30-minute podcast on many of your favorite platforms. Would you please tell your family and friends to listen as well. We would also love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook and via email at theelephant2022 at gmail.com. Be safe, stay healthy, 
God bless.